Well, sisters and brothers, we are continuing uh, in our look at uh, Digsy PC. And so uh, for us this morning, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew, just as we did last week, uh, but this time from the other end of Matthew. So uh, chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. So I invite you to hear uh, these words. This is Jesus who is speaking, and he says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked And gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these. Let me start that over. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we pray on this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Well, my guess is that all of you who were here last Sunday uh, over this week that you have now uh, mastered simplicity. Is that right? Okay, a couple of you. All right, good. All right, great. Um, Well, you may not have mastered it just yet, but hopefully uh, you have been able to to practice it quite a bit. And uh, it was great this whole week. I loved kind of watching or or reading um, some of what people were saying and seeing how they were really struggling with what it meant to to try and live uh, life's uh, in, a, in a more simplistic way, or a simple, simplified way, I should say, and, and, and kind of how it, it forced to stretch us and, and help us go beyond what we typically would do in a week and try to figure out how can we kind of cut some things out and what does that look like. And as I was, um, or as we, what we talked about last week is that this is kind of a spiritual discipline. Uh, and, and so this is like a farmer. Remember, we talked about a farmer who is able to go out and the farmer can kind of till the soil and can, can put the seed in the soil and, and water the soil. But ultimately, it is up to God to see whether or not this seed will grow. And so much like that, when we try to simplify our lives, we are, we are doing what we can to put ourselves in a position where we can then have more quiet and perhaps hear more from God, hear more from our neighbor and begin to grow in what it means to be followers of God. But oftentimes we have to put ourselves in a position in which then God can work. One of the things that I uh, noticed this week as I was kind of wrestling with simplicity is that one of the great things about living life like this is it allows you to simply be. Again, 
We talked last Sunday about the fact that we live in a culture that is going to continually tell you to do more, to have more, to run, run, run. And so from the time our feet hit the ground in the morning until the time when our head hits the pillow at night, we are continually going from place to place to place. So much so that most of us have no time to be, and most people spend very little time, if any, actually simply reflecting, reflecting on the kinds of lives that they are living. And in fact, most times we only reflect when one of two things happen. Either one, when we are injured in some way or something happens, so we're either laid up in a hospital or we're stuck on a sofa and we just have to sit there, or to put it bluntly, when we're dead. Typically, those are the only times that most of us force are forced to stop and really reflect on our lives. And I think it's important for us to see that in many ways, this is kind of the context of this passage in Matthew. This is coming when when Jesus has returned in glory. And so most people who have lived on earth have already died. And so what Jesus is doing is kind of giving us a sneak peek. He's saying, if you want to know what it is that you will look back on and say, oh, I wish I would have done more of this. I wish I, I, I wish I would have done more or less of that. Jesus is giving us an opportunity to get a sense of what that will be. And so what are those things that Jesus says we need to have been doing? Feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, going and clothing the naked, visiting the prisoner and those who are sick. And so the question is, when we read a passage like this, is will we wait right until the very end or will we live lives that are simple enough that we have times to actually ask ourselves how we are doing in these areas? And this week I've been asking myself, well, what is ZPC? How is ZPC doing in this? Have they been spending time in reflection uh, on what it means and what the important questions of life are? And if so, how has that played out? And I I was pretty pleased, actually, as I began to think about it a little bit more. I mean, uh, one of the things, of course, that we see is that uh, that ZPC and things like the food pantry or or going down to Wheeler Mission, that they are doing things to give food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty. We have a hospital team and the the hospital team seems to be doing a great job of going when people are in the hospital and and taking care of them and listening to them and praying for them. We have a a Kairos ministry, right, that goes down and actually helps people who are in prison. I I hear they make amazing cookies. Is that right? Has anyone had? See, if you answer yes, then I know you've been in prison. So that, but that's, um, what's for the cookies, it sounds like it might be worth it. So but we're sitting there and caring, so that's, that's fantastic. And actually, almost any of these kinds of things, really, you could sit there and have a pretty long series or at least a sermon talking about the importance of them. But this morning, what I want us to really kind of wrestle with a bit more is the notion of, of what it means for us to welcome the stranger. Or as we oftentimes put it, what does it mean for us to be hospitable? And so, and so as we kind of, as I was thinking about that, I realized that we, we've talked about this a little bit. We've talked about the importance of, uh, of kind of going out and, and meeting people that you haven't met before, right? Do you remember doing that? I mean, people have kind of brought that up that, you know, uh, some of these, I've been going to some of these desserts with the decks and, and, and oftentimes people have brought this up. You know, it was good to go and, and force us to, to kind of meet a stranger. And so, so that's great. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is why are we doing that? 
One of the reasons oftentimes I think that we believe we're doing it are to be nice or, or to be friendly. Uh, or if, if we really want to be honest in a setting like this, usually the reason why we try to be nice to visitors is, this, is so that they will come back, right? You know, uh, let's, be, let's be hospitable and, 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 and welcome them and then, and then hopefully they'll come back. But I, I want you to know that if the reason why we are, uh, we are welcoming to the strangers because uh, it's, it's, it's a nice thing to do or the friendly thing to do, then I want you to know we're doing it for the wrong reason. And, and even more, I want you to know that, that if the reason why we are welcoming people is so that they will come back, I want you to know that that is good salesmanship, but it's really bad discipleship. Let me say that again. If the reason why you are welcoming the stranger, the visitor who is coming in here, is simply so that they will come back, that that is a good maneuver by salesmen, but it is bad discipleship. Because here's the, here's the reality, here's the sad reality, that if that's the reason why we're doing this, then, then we end up really being hospitable simply to try to meet our own needs. We need more people to come in, so let's be nice. And that's actually the exact opposite of what hospitality is because hospitality is not about you. It is about, over here. Hospitality is not about you. It is about them. It's about the stranger. I'll give you another shot. So then why are we hospitable? What's the point of our being hospitable? And as I was thinking about that, if you had asked me that question on Monday, if you'd come up to me and said, uh, said Jerry, I got a question for you. Uh, when's the first example of people being hospitable? I, I would have said, first of all, well, it's Monday, which is my day off. So I don't answer questions about the Bible on Monday, okay? Uh, s- secondly, I would have said, well, you know, probably a bit smugly. Uh, well, clearly, I, I know it's, uh, it's Genesis 18. Genesis 18 is the story about Abraham and Sarah when, when the three strangers came in and, and he welcomed them. Everyone remember that story, right? And, and, and maybe they were angels, uh, but, but he was, you know, they welcomed them. And clearly that's what it is. And, and then you would look at me and you would say, well, clearly this is your day off uh, because you're dead wrong. This is not the first example. Do you know when the first example is in the Bible of hospitality? It is in Genesis. What chapter is it? I'll ask you this time. Huh? What chapter? Always go one. That's exactly right. <laughs> it is Genesis 1. From the very beginning, God created the world so that we would have a place to live and a place that we could call home so that we would feel welcome. God created the sun and the earth and the water and the plants and the animals so that we would have something to eat, something to drink, something to clothe ourselves with. God did this so that we could be at home. God, by his very nature, is hospitable. It is a part of who God is. God didn't just kind of throw us on a piece of granite and say, good luck. God welcomed us in the way that he created the world. So it shouldn't surprise us then that Jesus does the exact same thing. Jesus easily could have simply perhaps just kind of saved us from afar, but he didn't want to do that. So where did Jesus come? 
to earth. Jesus came to the earth in order to be with us, in order to be present with us. And what was Jesus always doing while he was here? He was always eating with people. He loved having meals with people. In fact, they accused him of doing that way too much and with the wrong kinds of people, with strangers, right? Jesus said, no, I am going to come and I am going to eat. I, I didn't come down here so that I could watch camel racings on Sunday afternoon or, 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 or do anything like that. I came here to be with people. So Jesus, when he came, he, he welcomed them. He welcomed the sinners. He welcomed the strangers. Why is it that Jesus in Matthew 25 says, you need to welcome the stranger because it is simply a part of who God is. And if we are created in the image of God, then it means that we also need to do what? Welcome the stranger. But this is not just another task that we are to be given. This is actually supposed to be a part of who we are. Remember in Colossians, we talked about the fact that we are a, a new creation and that our call is to live into that. Well, one of those livings is to live into what it means to be, reflect the image of God, which, who is a hospitable God. And some people are concerned about this particular passage. They think that it's showing that you can be saved by simply works. I don't think this is really about being saved by works as much as it is revealing that if you are saved, this is the way you work. You are hospitable. You are welcoming the stranger. But that can be kind of nebulous, if you will. That can kind of just be out there. Okay, great. We're called to welcome the stranger. Let's get out of here. The question is, what does that really look like? What does it really look like for us to welcome the stranger? And as I was thinking about that, I, I came across, I was looking at verse 35, where it includes welcoming the stranger. And I came across this kind of unique interpretation of that particular part of the passage, where it says, instead of you welcome the stranger, you brought me into your family circle. You took me into your family. Let me say it again. You brought me into your family circle. You took me into your family. Last month, I met with the deacons, and I was telling them the story about when I was living in, uh, in Edinburgh, Scotland. I was able to live there for a year, and uh, as a part of that, um, I really wanted to be able to see kind of all of Scotland, and so I had a lot more time than I had money, so I, I ended up kind of finding this cheap way to, to go see some more of Scotland. I took this little backpacking trip that would take us through the highlands and the islands, as they said, and so we, we would go, and then we would, we would stay in hostels, and uh, it, it I, I hate hostels, but, but it, was, it was fine, and we went, and I survived. But, but, but on Saturday night, we made it to a, to a city called Inverness. Anyone here ever been to Inverness? All right, good, a few of you, several of you, wonderful. Inverness means uh, the mouth of the Ness, which of course means it's at the very mouth of Loch Ness. And so um, well, we saw the monster. It was great. And so um, that's, for, that's a sermon for another day. And so but the next morning, I decided, you know what, I need to, um, I, I need to go to church. So uh, I, I found a church that was about a mile away, and so I, I walked to it. And, and, and part of the reason why I was in Scotland was actually every Sunday I was supposed to kind of visit a different church and, and, and kind of give my observations about it. And so, uh, and, and so I knew what to expect. It's very similar to what you expect, actually, when you come visit a church here in America. I'd, I'd go in, and they would shake my hand, right? And they would, you know, in a good Scottish brogue, you know, would say, it's great, you know, it's great to have you here. Yeah, that was, no? Uh, okay, um, 
I'm always practicing my brogue with Megan and rarely does she enjoy it. So, and then so great. So you got the welcome and then you go in and you, and you worship, right? And of course you kind of sit towards the back, right? Amen? Back rowers? Yeah, I see you back there. Okay, good. I know you're here. All right. Um, and so you sit in the back because mostly you, you'd really prefer to not, you know, talk to anybody if at all possible. And, and so then you worship. And, and then sometimes I would wait until the very end. Honestly, sometimes even before the charge and the blessing, uh, just to avoid having to talk, I would just kind of quietly walk out, right? But if I couldn't make it out, then someone would always sit there and they'd, they'd shake your hand and they'd say, we hope to see you again, right? Anyone ever done that? It's okay, good. All right, so, so this is kind of what we do. And this is what I did every week. And, and it looked like this was going to be perfect. This was exactly what I was going to do on this particular week. And, and I was getting up and the worship was actually was, was quite good. And, and I was going to leave. And all of a sudden, this, right before I left, this guy snagged me, right? And I said, oh, no. So he shook my hand. He's like, you know, it's great to have you here. And I gave all of the kind of nonverbal cues I could to, to, to make him see that I wanted to leave, Right? Uh, and, and I think oftentimes people give those to pastors and I want you, and, and they think, wow, didn't the pastor know I wanted to leave? We knew, we just didn't care. And so, um, so, so, you know, I kept kind of saying things like, well, you know, it's good to see you. You know, you kind of end like that, right? And a little lilt going up and, uh, you know, I'm not from here, won't be, come, won't be coming back. And, um, but, he, but he, he was clearly not, not getting the clue and, and, and finally said, oh, you know what, since you're an American, I, I want to introduce you to somebody who, who lived in America for a while. And I thought, oh, I know a lot of people who lived in America for a while. I really don't need to meet this guy. But he, but he wouldn't take no for an answer. And so before you know it, we were kind of winding in and out. And honestly, the only thing I wanted to do was go find a place for fish and chips. I, I, I'll go find the nearest chippy, as they call it. And that's what I really wanted. That's all I could think about. And so I was hoping and praying he wouldn't find this guy because I really just wanted to leave, but unfortunately he found the guy. So there we are, and we're sitting there and we're chit-chatting, and I said, oh, you know, it's great. I'm being very kind, of course, and hey, I met his wife and his children. It was, it was wonderful. It was great, and you know, I was expecting, you know, well, hey, great to see you, you know, and, and then he said, you know what? Why don't you, why don't you have lunch with us? And I thought, oh, that was all on the inside. Of course, on the outside, I was like, oh, really? Lunch? So I secretly hope, well, maybe he knows of a good chippy and that's where we're going to go and then I can eat and then I can leave. But unfortunately, he didn't take me to some chippy. He took me to his home. And I thought, oh man, I am going to be here forever. And I was. I mean, (laughs) one hour passed, two hours passed, three hours passed. Before you know it, I'm like wrestling with their kids. I'm looking through photo albums. I'm getting pictures with them to put in photo albums. I mean, it was bizarre. And then all of a sudden I look out and the sun is starting to set. And they said, well, I guess we should take you home. And so they took me back to the hospital and, and, I, and, I, and I laid my head down and I was in an absolute state of shock. I mean, I had never, ever gone to a church and been welcomed like that. And why? Because they took me into their family. They brought me into their family circle. And because of that, I was changed. I have been to lots of churches, probably hundreds of churches. And do you know how many of them I have been to? And I have been greeted with a smile and a thought and, and, and them saying, we're glad you're here. You're here. Almost all of them. 
Do you know how many churches I've kind of left and people have shaken my hand and said, it was so great to have you here. We hope you come back. Almost all of them. Do you know how many churches have brought me into their family so that I was forever changed by their hospitality? One. One. And the question that we have to start asking at ZPC is whether or not we really understand what hospitality is. That we really understand that it is more than just being nice or being friendly or hoping that people may come back. It is allowing them into your family. And that is a radical difference than how most of us have ever come to understand, it seems to me, what hospitality is. But this is why Jesus understands it is so important. The question is for us, is how will we be a people of hospitality? I think for many of us, it means exactly that. It means allowing people into your family. It means opening up your home and allowing them to come in for a meal. I know that's nerve wracking. I know people say, well, my house is just a mess. Who cares? Let them come over and see the mess. Why should we hide that from anybody? Others think, well, they're going to come over and they're going to see how bad our kids are. We know how bad your kids are. (laughs) People don't do that. They don't invite people into their homes very much anymore. But it is a completely different understanding to be invited in somebody's home. One of the reasons why we wanted to do with these desserts with the decks is because we wanted to kind of sneakily find a way to get into your home. Because we know that when you're in someone's home, it's a whole different conversation than if we had just had them all out in the gathering space. You get to see how people live. You get to see pictures. You get to engage. It's a completely different level of intimacy. So I want to encourage us to think about that. But there are other ways as well. We are hospitable when we take the time to kind of slow down what we're doing as we talked about and being, uh, being more simple and, and, and engage and listen to people. There are lots of people who are looking for, to, to be able to express things that are going on in their lives. And oftentimes we give a busy look so that we don't have to. And one of the things that we can do is have welcoming hearts, welcoming ears that say, we want to hear, we want to be welcomed into your life as well. Tell us, tell us about what's going on. Taking the time to listen to people. It might be simply going and opening up your front porch. And saying, why don't you come in rather than us just kind of waving, right? I'm so kind of tired of kind of the sense of being friendly is, is waving to your neighbor. But what about going over there? And if they're shoveling the snow or if they're mowing the lawn, you say, you know what? I'm going to go over there. And I know that inside this person is probably rolling his eyes and saying, oh, just like I was, I wish this person would leave me alone. Who cares? Everyone else leaves this person alone. Let's pay attention. And let's ask how we can enter into their world. Or maybe we think about Landon. Here was Landon right here, right? It was so, what a beautiful child, right? He's back there in the cry room. We can kind of wave to him if you see him back there, right? But, but one of the things that, that Linda did is she asked you a question, right? Are we really going to, to engage with his child? Are we going to really welcome this child? Are we going to be hospitable to this child? And that means more than just saying what a cute kid he is. And he is. It's more than just smiling at him. It is saying, how can we figure out ways to engage with this child? How can we do more than just being nice or friendly? 
How can we love and open our arms to this child? So as the worship team was thinking about how we can, what kind of assignment we can give this week, we came up with this, with this assignment that you'll get as you leave, and it's this. Have a conversation with someone you would not normally engage with. Have a conversation with someone who is a stranger, either a complete stranger or just someone who really mostly is a stranger because you don't really know him or her all that well. And what I like about that is that it opens it up, is that you can do that in lots of different venues. You can do that in your home. You can do that in their home. You can do it at work. You can do it in the grocery store. You can do it wherever you are. You can find somebody and say, am I going to willingly open up myself and listen? And am I going to go around and ask the Lord, where is the stranger to whom I can welcome? And if you find that a challenge, then let me remind you at the very end of this particular passage, when Jesus says, whenever you have done it to the least of these, whenever you have welcomed the stranger, you have welcomed who? You have welcomed me. You have welcomed Jesus. And I wonder as you go throughout this week, what it might look like if you saw, when you saw people, when you saw strangers, if you saw Jesus. How might that change how we act? How might that change how we understand how we are called to welcome and to be hospitable? How might that change your week? How might that change your life? And so let me encourage you as you go out this week to ask yourself, who is the stranger in my midst? Who is the Jesus to whom I am called to welcome? And if you do so, I promise you, that not only will you be changed, not only will the way you see be changed, but the person to whom you are loving. Just as I was that one Sunday some 10 years ago, they will be changed and they will never forget. People will forget a hand wave as soon as you leave. They will not forget when they have truly been welcomed. Amen.